Calling all Swifties and champions of change, Like a Girl Media is rolling out the red carpet for you with our Thrive Like a Girl contest. We're all about celebrating powerful women leaders who inspire us to dream big and push boundaries. And who embodies that spirit more than Taylor Swift herself? Here's your chance to see her live in concert. We're giving away two tickets to Taylor Swift's show in London on Saturday, June 22nd. Imagine being part of the magic, all thanks to Like a Girl Media. Entering is easy. Subscribe, share, and show us which episodes inspired you the most. Visit our website or check our social media for all the details. Don't just dream it, be it. Thrive like a girl and make this summer unforgettable. Contest opens globally. Voidware prohibited. Must be 18 or older to enter. No purchase necessary. Subscribe and share with hashtag thrive like a girl and tag us at like a girl underscore media for entry. Unlimited entries means unlimited chances. Winner chosen at random after contest closes May 20th, 2024. We'll be notified via DM. Make sure your profiles are not private. Check full rules on our site. This is your shot to see Taylor Swift live. Don't miss it. Hello there and welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. My name is Joy Rios. This is a show where we get to talk about the complicated world of healthcare. And I often liken it to a 30,000 piece puzzle where each one of our guests gets to bring their piece and share their level of expertise with our with me and our listeners. So I am very happy that we get to speak to who we get to speak to today. I'm going to let her introduce herself. Can you please take a moment and tell us who you are, today's guests? Thanks, everybody, for listening. My name is Samia Rawat. I'm co-founder and chief product officer at Pharmasol. Pharmasol is a startup, and what we do is we're building an AI-enabled pharmacy assistant, and we're automating a lot of the frequently had conversations that pharmacists have with patients about their medications, from you know how do I make sure I'm able to receive my medication at home, to how do I take it, to what should I do if I'm starting to feel side effects, really automating all those conversations through text. Now, okay, is that something that is medicine-based or pharmacy-based or insurance-based? Like, where's the entry point for somebody? Yeah, definitely. So where we're looking at today is pharmacy organizations and actually specialty pharmacies. So they're required to provide these high-touch services to patients from educating patients, following up with them, doing adherence and efficacy assessments. And today, a lot of it is like manual phone calls. So pharmacists are calling patients and having these conversations and they're very similar, you know, frequent conversations. And the thing is like, you know, a phone call during the nine to five on a weekday is actually not very accessible for a lot of patients if you're like working. So it's how do we provide that same level of care that we want to bring to patients in a way that is meaningful to them, as well as just saving, you know, pharmacists and the staff time. Because I think we all know there's like a healthcare workforce shortage across the board. And how do we enable people to really practice at the top of their license and have really meaningful interactions with patients? So can you tell me a little bit about, well, let's start with you. How did you start on this journey? Yeah, definitely. So a very long time ago, I actually wanted to be a doctor. And then I realized what I'm really good at is actually coding and thinking about how do we solve you know problems in different ways. So in high school, I fell in love with computer science and just thinking about how can we like better the lives of like others and you know just impact like patient lives and care using technology. Went to MIT, both my undergrad and my master's, wrote my thesis in that area. And then Wait, I actually I love how you're just like, oh, just just casually, just went to MIT. Like 
It's kind of a big deal, Samir. (laughs) For me, it's just, you know, it was a very meaningful experience, but I think I've learned so much more just after after MIT and you know what we're doing at Pharmasol today. But when I was there, I actually took a class called Healthcare Ventures. And that's where I met my co-founder, Natalie. Her experiences in pharmacy, my experiences with machine learning and healthcare came together, brought on our third co-founder, who's our CTO, who's a systems expert. And then from there, we just you know, started talking to as many people as we could and started building because there's just such a need to you know support patients after they get their like prescription. Like when you actually go home, like what do you do? And so myself as a patient, I go to Google and I go to Reddit. So I spend so many hours like on Reddit just reading about everybody's experience because I'm a very low risk patient. So nobody's going to call me. Nobody's going to really check in with me. And I have to try to find those answers for myself. But it's, you know, the answer exists out there. Pharmacists like know what can happen and all these experiences exist out there, but it's more so how do we make that accessible, that knowledge accessible and like trustworthy. And so when you met your founder and co-founder, so was Pharmasol born out of MIT or was it born out of the two, like you guys kind of separately after MIT? Yeah. So we actually, so we took the class we took was called like healthcare ventures. And it's all about, you know, bringing people in industry and like academia, like together to think through like ideas. So it's like, we were just brainstorming ideas. We were doing a lot of primary market research. So we just spoke to, you know, pharmacy teams across healthcare. So at providers, you know, what does this look like at primary care associations? plans, pharma, like PBM, everybody. And so we, that's sort of like how we kind of started as like, you know, two people just thinking through how can we build this together and leveraging the entrepreneurship network at MIT and all the support they have there as well. Then we did an accelerator at MIT called like Delta B. And I know some of your past speakers also just did it recently. So we did that about like a year and a half ago. And then from there, we're like, you know, we really feel like we validated the problem and that this is a solution that folks want and then started building full time after that. That was one of the things that was big takeaway when I talked to the folks that I did at Delta V is just like how much support that they will give you on validating your product where you're like, hey, I have this idea and they'll have a team of experts that are like, yeah, but have you thought about it this way? And really like find all of the ways to poke holes in it so that what you end up with at the end is something that, you know, floats. Yeah, definitely. And I think one of the things I really learned too is that in healthcare, like and startups in particular, like go to market is so important. Like healthcare, there's so many different players and there's so many people who touch pharmacy and medications for us particularly, but who actually has like financial incentives to use your product. So I think that's what we really see is that there's so much opportunity in healthcare to provide better patient experience and access and leverage all the really cool technology that exists today. But who is the right person to really use that? And what is the core value prop you're giving to that customer? So it's more so about like, hey, like I'm providing you a 24-7 like access. Like I'm enabling you to support more patients at scale rather than like, oh, we're like, you know, using AI and like large language models to enable us to do that. So that whole thing of how do you think through your market and how to talk to customers was something I like really learned through those experiences. Yeah, I'm like, I'm curious right now that if I was prescribed a medication, say from Kaiser, that's where my insurance is in California, that I'm like, oh, I could go to a Kaiser pharmacy to get that, but I could also go to a CVS or a Walgreens or like that's out of my target and go there. Would you, would Pharmacel have the contract with Kaiser or with the pharmacy? Yeah. 
So the good thing is like we're actually building our product flexible, like with flexibility in mind. So we can technically fit into both workflows. I think the biggest uptake we've seen recently is like from these pharmacy specific organizations, because to your point, it's like, you know, cons- like patients are, there's this like in consumerization of healthcare, right? It's like patients want more choice in how they're picking things. And you want to go to the pharmacy that's going to provide you with the most support where like, if you were to call them, somebody would actually like pick up and like help you, or you could like message their chat button you would actually get a response immediately. So we're seeing patients like have more of that choice. And for us, it was more so, you know, where are these conversations happening today? It's happening at pharmacies and in particular, like specialty pharmacies and like mail order pharmacies who are required to provide some of these more additional touch points. And then like starting there from a perspective of like, hey, I'm going to, you know, I am going to help like save your staff time so they can spend more time actually talking to patients who need it. And then you can reach all these other patients that you may, they may have just like not been able to like pick up the phone call or they're just lower risk. You just haven't been able to like get to them, but they actually like may need help. So it's like, how can I support the scale and the quality of service you're providing for the places where this is a core part of their product offering and like future within like healthcare. Okay, now question on the AI and ML side of things. Like, do you, how many medications can you speak to? Like that, I'm sure the database of FAQs based on a medication is pretty significant. And so would it be like, would it just be like, oh, if you have questions around these hundreds of medications, we got you. But if it's outside of that realm, like... You're going to have to figure it out. How does that part work? Core part of what we're building is this, our medication knowledge base and our conversation flow algorithms, which I like to think of it as like, you know, as a pharmacist, when would you want to ask a follow-up question to uncover more information in the root cause? And when do you, when does this patient actually need to talk to somebody? So if you were to have a side effect, you know, what a pharmacist would do is ask like, oh, like how severe is this? Like, is this interrupting your daily activities? Because if it's really bad, then I'm not going to tell you to like keep taking your medication. I mean, to say like, okay, like, let me bring a staff person to like call you so that you can have a conversation about what may be the right, the right, you know, step to take here. But if it's like, you know, you felt like nauseous, like maybe just like once a day and it's actually like pretty okay, then what we can do is provide that automated, you know, response of like, okay, for most patients, it gets better over time. Like if you can stick with it, will go away and then I'll follow up with you in a couple of days to like see how you're doing. So that thing of like, I'm actually going to check in with you and like just continue to build that relationship and see like how you're doing. So that's one part of like that conversation flow algorithm for our like medication knowledge base. Today we support 135 like plus medications based off of where we started primarily like medications in the primary care like disease states and how we actually built that knowledge base is by working with currently practicing clinical pharmacists so they're you know in the health systems they're talking to the patients every day about this particular like disease state and these medications and you know what are some of the things that are less known and not on that med guide that are actually like helpful to like patients. So things like, you know, this medication may make you like pee more often. So taking in the morning is better because then you won't wake up in the middle of the night if you take it at night. So there's those sort of like intuitive thoughts that pharmacists know from practice that we're building our knowledge base and like conversation algorithms on. And because we've you know already deployed and had that experience with patients and know how to continue to build, we're now able to rapidly add in additional medications and disease states as necessary like for our customers. That's awesome. I'm also curious about the flow of information. Does it only come if a patient has either called or a, like initiated a chat, or is there ever an instance that like 
the pharmacists could reach out to the patient in some form or fashion to say, hey, you're, I don't know, based on your medication, you're on day two of something, you might be feeling nauseous. Um, does that exactly. happen? And that's exactly what we do, those proactive like touch points. So even from, you know, from a pharmacy perspective, oh, I got your prescription. It's like, hey, like when are you going to be at home for me to then deliver your prescription to you? Because it needs to be kept in the fridge. So that having those conversations are like, hey, like your delivery is now scheduled. Are you going to be at home or and having that conversation to maybe like reschedule it? And then, okay, I know you have your medication now. It's so like, here's how you use your injection. Here's like a video showing you how to do it following up in a couple of days about like common side effects and checking for like how you're doing like efficacy, like, Hey, are you starting to feel better and like adherence? And then, you know, of course, like refill. So the full like cycle. That's really smart. So you can actually can be providing patient education around their condition and, and their medication. You you touched on something about the refrigeration aspect. I was listening to a podcast this morning about health equity and like, how do we address some people might, you know, are unhoused and might not have access to a refrigerator for their medication. Like, it feels like you have an opportunity to, to potentially direct people in a lot of different ways. And is that something that has come up on your radar? And I know that's like solving a bigger problem, but like, I don't know how you would do that. I'm just curious, has that, is that part of your business plan? Yeah, that's definitely something that we're continuously thinking about, especially around like cost, right? It's like patients are often like worried about like, hey, like this was really expensive this time. Like, I'm not sure how I'm going to pick, like be able to afford it, like when my refill like comes around. So, but there are like assistance programs, right? There are assistance programs from the, like the manufacturer, from other like resources across like healthcare and being able to direct them in that way. And that's like something that we're actively thinking about, you know, who are the right like partners for us to be able to to direct that things also around like, Oh, like I actually want to like transfer my prescription to a pharmacy that is like closer to me. Like, are you able to do that? So there's a lot of these like, you know, patient request things that there are folks who have provided good opportunities for, but patients don't realize they exist. And I think that's a lot of what we see in healthcare is that there's so many different ways to actually make your medication experience like meaningful and easy, but as a patient, you don't know that. So if you, if you're having like, you know, a severe side effect with this medication, actually like talking to your doctor about it, they may be able to move you to a medication that does the exact same thing without the side effects. Mm -hmm. But as a patient, you may just like be continuing to like, just go through that side effect. And now you tie your medication to a very poor experience, which may like lead to non-adherence, but it's because there are very like few communication channels for patients to share their like real-time experiences for somebody to then like do something about it. Well, and what you're touching on isn't necessarily addressing, it's just the logistics aspect of like, oh, my experience would be better if I could go to the pharmacy that's, you know, two blocks away from my house versus one that's, I have to drive 10 or 15 minutes. And if you're sitting at the center of that, it sounds like you guys have an opportunity to solve a lot of problems, not just medication adherence. Yes, uh, definitely. And I think, you know, adherence in healthcare is so interesting because it's like based off of like fill. It's like, did patient get their like 90 day fill? And that's like what a lot of us you know, consider like adherence because of how quality metrics are like tied to that. But it's so much more about, you know, the actual like patient experience and their medication journey as a whole. It's like, when did you start getting side effects so that I know that patients who look just like you and are have the same demographics and conditions, that's what I know that maybe they'll start getting side effects too. So and within like, you know, our system, we're building like a feedback like model as well, where we can think about 
how medications work in these individual patients and what does that mean for others to really provide that like personalized experience and drive towards like precision like medicine because there's so much like data that exists out there but i don't think you know we're leveraging it in a meaningful way today because it's so like dis it's dispersed so how yeah. can we take the existing knowledge and then learn more through these experiences because it's super interesting too like two-thirds of side effects today are actually unreported and it may be because patients don't realize it's a side effect or you don't know when to tell people or where to tell people. So right. it's just like unreported. But that is I, that I, knowledge. I, I can't yeah. imagine having an, an a side effect and being like, let me just call somebody real quick and yeah. tell them that I'm not feeling or I'm feeling a certain way. Like I wouldn't know where to do that either. Uh, yeah. And that's how I felt too. And it's so much of it for me personally has been like, is this a side effect or like not? Like, did I just like eat something bad? Or like, is there like something actually like happening with my medication? And you just, and then you sort of wait it out. Right. But for some patients, depending on your medication, if you wait it out, it can actually be like problematic, like you may have to go to like the emergency room. And now that's like a huge expense for everybody across like healthcare and for you as a patient. And it's just because we didn't have early enough touch point that was able to uncover and address this like as soon as possible. So as you're talking about data, what is going through my mind is the structured data of any sort of FI, FAQ around the 150 plus medications that you have in your database and system that people can ask questions of. But then what about all of the unstructured data or the conversations yeah. that have that are being taken that are taking place around those and how do you leverage that data because i'm sure that it's insanely rich with insights but it's not obviously like structured that this goes in a box it's in a probably narrative form what do you like as a computer scientist or somebody with that skill set like how do you guys handle that level of yeah, information. I love talking about this stuff, like unstructured structured data, because this is what large language models are really good at like good for. So large language models, the biggest strength is how do I understand, you know, unstructured conversations, the complexity, the nuance of language and within a certain context. So taking that whole conversation, taking, you know, what patient like last said, or like maybe what we last said, and what is really happening here? Like, what are we talking about now? Like maybe we were talking about like you being able to afford your medication, but we resolve that issue. So now it's like, oh, like I am not like sure where I'm supposed to like inject myself. So now we're talking about this. So this is what I need to like now answer. So large language models are super, I think like very powerful. And that's why we're at a pivotal point where, you know, we've had chatbots in healthcare for a while, but they've just had very poor experience because they require, you know, a ton of different conversations to be trained on before they're meaningful. And they're very like restrictive because they don't understand the nuance and complexity of conversations. Now we have the technology to make chatbots meaningful. And I think, you know, most of us have used like ChatGPT in one, you know, one shape or form, and that's large language model based. But in healthcare, the important part is then having controlled conversations. So we take that hybrid approach of, I'm using large language models to understand, but on the back end, I'm having more traditional algorithms to process like, you know, what you said, what is the situation that this is about? Do I need to ask a follow-up question? Do I need to triage and escalate up to staff? Or are you like, you know, are you okay? And I just need to give you like a statement about like, hey, like, you know, things will be okay. I'll follow up with you in a, in a little bit. So that's how we're kind of building that back end and then delivering like pre-vetted content. And I, I'm just like so excited about where healthcare can go with this like new technology that finally really understands and works as if like, you know, a person is thinking and we can tell it how to think as well. There's one thing that just keeps showing up for me. I'm just like, all of us have been on the automated phone call where yeah. you're like either keep pressing zero or nine, or you're like screaming in representative, you know, <laughs> I'm like, I feel like you can, we can judge a person. We, we can all kind of 
get a feeling for the type of person we are when we're talking to an automated phone call. And I'm just like, I turn into somebody that's screaming apparently the word representative into my phone <laughs> and the yeah. chat bot takes that away, right? you like, and being able to escalate it, like, where is that? Is it literally, could I just say like, you know what? I've had enough. I would like to speak to a human now. Where, where, how does it go from one, like, okay, I'm interacting with AI and asking questions of it. And I understand what's going on versus no, I need to speak to a human now. Like how simple does, is that transition made? Yeah. It's actually really simple. So we have like, you know, patients saying like, Hey, like I want to talk to somebody is one option. The other option is like, Oh, you actually should be talking to somebody because this is maybe be outside of our scope and may require some actual like, you know, medical like decision making and clinical thoughts there. And so there's kind of two options how we can do that. One is we actually have a clinician dashboard, which shows all of our active conversations. So at any point we like have like a learning status there. So you can see like patients who need help and like with what is this something that is like, oh, like patient is having a side effect. It's not like super bad right now, but like, I think they may need like additional advice here. Is this something like, oh, the patient says like, I like patient needs you know, help like navigating like some sort of like cost thing. So we can alert there and then you can go into the, you go into the patient profile, you can see the active conversation and then you can like type and like respond there where you can always like call the patient. And there are different ways that we can offer that like escalation, like charging protocol. We can tell the patient like, Hey, somebody is going to call you or like, Hey, like I let somebody know they're going to reply back here in like, you know, five minutes. So there's ways to do that, but it's, I think it's so important to really focus on like both users, the clinicians and what makes sense like for them and like their workflows. And we built ourselves modularly to really fit into what makes sense for that particular, like that particular organization. And then for the patient, like what are patients saying that they want and making sure we're actually able to then do that for them because that's what keeps patients engaged and coming back to know that this is actually a channel that is helpful. Because I think we've all used like chatbots where we like ask something, it doesn't respond like back in a meaningful way. And then we're like, oh, this like actually doesn't do what I want. So then you just stop using it altogether, even though it may actually be valuable in some cases. So maybe I asked a clinical question, but this chatbot is only for cost. But since I had a bad experience once, I probably won't go back to it, even if it could solve my problem. I'm just always going to say, I'm going to talk to somebody. So there's those kind of stakeholders that we always keep in mind when we're like building and thinking about, you know, what is their preference and how do I build something that's really meaningful for them? Okay, now I've you've got me thinking about like the station where all those conversations, somebody gets to see the analytics of all those conversations yeah. happening on one big dashboard. I imagine that that is based on the system itself, right? Like the patients just within that are connected to a particular pharmacy or health system, right. perhaps. And then do you get the level data where you can see everything that's happening all at once? And is it color coded? Because how do you figure out like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> these yeah. guys are having issues with like, you know, the medication and other with logistics and et cetera. Like that's a lot of information to digest and analyze even on a system level and then system of systems. I think that's why it's always so important to like think through like, you know, what are the metrics you really want to track and the things you want to track before you even like deploy so that you ensure that you're building your dashboard in that particular way. And the numbers that you're seeing are actually meaningful because there's so many different numbers that you can come up with. But if it's not meaningful for you to like, you know, make strategic like decisions or it's not impactful in some particular way, then it's like a, it's like a busy number and a busy board. So I think that's what we think about like for organizations, you know, what are the things that are really valuable to them? One of our biggest value props is saving you time. And how do I save you time is by actually resolving issues ourselves automatically. So that's like one of those numbers where it's like, you know, the number of opportunities I found 
where it was the questions patient asked and then I was able to like resolve them and like what type of opportunities are coming up are there things that are related to like adherence like patient just is having difficulty you know picking up their medication are there things related to education like they're unsure about like what to do here they're unsure about oh I missed I forgot to take my medication yesterday what am I supposed to do and kind of color coding like those if you would say and then I think, you know, on the, from our side, like it's so interesting, like looking at things over as a whole, but in healthcare, it's, I think how organizations work is like different and their patient population and the kind of like contractual obligations they have are also different. So the reason why, you know, one pharmacy may be having more issues with like delivery and another one is more issues with like education can be because of the patient populations they support and the sort of contractual obligations they're under. So that's something that I think I always think about too, is that they may look different, but why is why do they look different? Like what is the underlying reason? And is there something that means, you know, we can continue to like help and impact and make an impact further in a particular way? So are there questions that patients are asking that are actually like we don't have a database answer for that now like I should build one and I should you know verify with like other pharmacists and like that organization to know to make sure like hey this is like an appropriate answer and also letting them know I think it's when you enable these open communication channels you learn so much about things that you didn't think you would so when we deployed it was so interesting, you know, the physician saying like, I didn't think like this patient would ever engage, but they are. So you're learning things about your population and you're, you know, really validating hypotheses or like breaking them as well. Of like, you know, what are your patients actually curious about? What do they want? Where are they struggling? I think that information is also just super meaningful and helpful for those organizations. So I think you're answering a question before I asked it, but it's essentially like, it's great to have all sorts of data, but are there any stories about real people that the, that your solution has made a difference for? And I, you know, obviously without saying names, but I'd love to hear, you know, some something that has just been like, yeah, this was unexpected. And this is the impact we were able to make. I'll share two stories. So we we started in like primary care as a design partner, like a clinic where we could easily, you know, deploy and iterate through the product and like the copywriting of our messaging and things like that. And it was really interesting. There was one patient when we, the first question we asked, it's like a prescription written. So it's like, hey, you were prescribed this medication. Have you been able to like, you know, pick it up and like start? This patient said, I had no idea I was supposed to be taking this medication. So there's like an opportunity for us to do medication reconciliation. Like, okay, what are you actually taking and we're integrated with the EHR. So being able to see what is the EHR say you're actually be, you should be taking. And then we ultimately triage up to provider that like, Hey, patient says they're, they're taking this. This is what your record says. Like you may want to call the patient to resolve this like discrepancy. So that was super interesting where there's situations where people don't even realize you're prescribed something when you just had a visit. So you had that visit earlier today, but you don't realize that this is something you're supposed to be taking, especially, you know, patients who have multiple doctors. So you have your specialist, you have your primary care. And it's like, you know, this person said to stop taking this, but this person is telling me I need to still take this. Like, what is the actual right answer? And that clarity. And it'll be just interesting to see how the space evolves because there's so many conversations about interoperability. Like, how do we create this like one true like patient record so everybody's on the same page? I think another interesting scenario was, I think Ozempic is super just like very popular. And it's it's very different like how these patients act because they know that I'm taking this medication from like a lot of for a lot of folks, it's like I want to reduce weight. So I'm taking this like medication to lose weight. So a patient asking us their you know, refill like, hey, like I actually want a dose increase. 
So this, I feel like patients don't realize you're supposed to like get a dose increase, but because this medication is so popular, you hear about on the news, you hear about how, oh, taking at higher doses means I'm going to lose weight faster. That was an opportunity for us to do like, okay, hey, like, did you have any like side effects over like the last week? And the sort of questions and information gathering you need to do to see if is a patient actually eligible for a dose increase. And then true HIP provider, providers say like, yeah, okay, looks like they're good for a dose increase and they rewrote the script. Is so interesting in these cases where patients are adherent, what is the actual now value prop? It's about patients are asking a lot more questions because they know that they want to take this medication for a particular reason. Same thing in fertility. People have a lot of questions because they want to be super adherent. They want to really take this medication for a particular purpose versus other conditions. You just have, if somebody told you to take this medication, you don't really know why because you don't feel anything externally. And then like a vitamin, I'll yeah, take a vitamin exactly. C. Like, do I actually know the difference in my day? Not really. <laughs> yeah, I think I've like trained myself for the vitamin D placebo. They're like, oh, I feel like better. I feel like the sun's rays are really hitting me yeah. when I take it. But <laughs> is that really happening? I don't know. <laughs> Not sure. Yeah. Well, Samia, thank you so much for kind of explaining this. And it sounds like you are poised to make a huge impact in healthcare. So I'm really excited for what you're doing and excited for what is in store for you. If people want to connect with you or if they want to follow your journey, where would you direct them? Definitely LinkedIn, where we host a lot of events in like New York City, always talking about, you know, what we're seeing in pharmacy and AI. So feel free to send me a request on LinkedIn. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks for all of this and all the work that you're doing. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Joy. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. You can learn more about us or this guest by going to our website or visiting us on any of the socials with the handle hit like a girl pod. Thanks again. See you soon. Again, thank you so much for listening to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. I am truly grateful for you, and I'm wondering if you could do me a quick favor. Would you be willing to follow or subscribe to this podcast, or maybe leave us a rating or review? Or if you're feeling extra generous, would you share this episode on your Instagram stories or with a friend? All those things help us podcasters out so much. I'm the show's host, Joy Rios, and I'll see you next time.